Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content. With access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences, the network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends, I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is to just entertain, but to also put this one into context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Boom! That's the sound of a 10% tariff hitting the $300 billion in Chinese goods that were still duty-free. Sounds a lot like falling stock prices, doesn't it? The averages started strong, boy, by some great earnings reports. But after the news broke, the Dow ended up plunging 281 points. S&P plummeted 0.90%, and the Nasdaq fell 0.79%. I've got to tell you, that wasn't enough. It should be lower. Yes, in one fell swoop. One fell swoop. President Trump has given the hardliners exactly what they want. If you import goods from China, he's making you pay no exceptions. That includes the iPhone. No wonder Apple stock reverse was the most visible one that went down. It went from up big to just, well, ugly because it's the most visible importer. Suddenly, everything, either they need to eat the tariffs or they need to make their phones even more expensive relative to Samsung, which does its manufacturing in South Korea. Can you imagine? The outcome of this is that Samsung's the winner. But Apple's just one example out of many. I just use it because it is so in your face. The president figures he's given American companies enough time to get out of China. It's been roughly a year and a half since the first big steel and aluminum tariffs. They haven't changed their sourcing. Well, he thinks that's on them. Of course, the markets hated it. The reaction was so negative that the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury broke down below 2%. And by the way, that is a textbook sign that bond investors fear we're headed into a recession. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. The president has made it clear that he's had enough of China, and our economy is strong enough, and our stock market is high enough that we can handle the escalation into what is definitely, you can't say anything otherwise. It's not a trade tiff. It's not, it is a full-blown tariff war. And I get where they're coming from. Tariffs are bad for the consumer, and obviously the Chinese need to retaliate. You have to wait to see what they do. If you're a high-ranking member of the Communist Party, you can't just give Trump what he wants here, some big agricultural purchases and a crackdown on illegal fentanyl. No, it would make them look weak. They despise looking weak. It's a paramount concern. I told you all along that this trade war would keep escalating. While there are two camps in the White House, the Hawks and the Doves, I think the Hawks, and have said this over and over again, have much more influence with the president than the Doves. After last, last year's failed tete-a-tete in Buenos Aires and the collapse of the trade talks in May, when the Chinese walked away from what looked like a done deal, 
the hardliners made it clear they weren't going to tolerate any more backsliding on the part of the Chinese. Sure, Trump gave, you know, Trump gave, he gave the doves a real, real chance here. There was a ceasefire when he met with President Xi at the G20 conference, but that looks like now is merely a delaying action. The Free Traders and the administration, led by Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, have one last window to come back with something, anything, that would show China's willing to deal in good faith. When Mnuchin came back empty-handed, President Trump made his move and slammed the window shut. Now, the thing I was most concerned about is the reason to sell stocks, a blanket tariff on all Chinese goods, with no exceptions, including Apple, with a stock that was soaring before the tweets hit. Now that's going to go into effect starting next month, September 1. And I got to tell you, it's the real deal, people. It's the real deal. I was surprised that the averages weren't down even more. Again, from the very beginning, despite the endless mainstream press commentary that's been wrong otherwise, I've told you that the hardliners would win out. I figured the free traders in the White House would get one more stab at a deal, and when that failed, there'd be more tariffs. It's why I've been warning you endlessly about those last $300 billion worth of Chinese imports for months. The only thing I got wrong was the timing, and even there, I was pretty close. I actually thought it was going to happen this weekend. That's why I repeatedly told you the trade war was the major obstacle to higher stock prices and why I felt that, well, let's just say that, that uh, Fed Chief Powell was really right when he made that cut yesterday. He... He had an inkling. Now, he didn't know from the president. He had a feel like I had the feel. I want to give you my perspective here because I'm literally of two minds about this stuff. On the one hand, I absolutely favor anything that can, play, that can help level the playing field with China. They've been breaking the rules for decades. They are pernicious. I've told you over and over again that the hardliners would win. The free trade faction simply didn't understand how angry and betrayed the president felt when China never came through with those agricultural purchases they promised him personally, or its fentanyl crackdown, which the president knows is killing many, many Americans. I think the administration is betting that China will blink. They may be tempted to hold out until after the election, but that's a crapshoot now. Oh, President Biden would probably give him a better deal. But President Warren would crack down even harder than Trump. I think they see that. And of course, if Trump gets reelected, he's not going to be thrilled that the Chinese made him wait. And look, these new tariffs are just the tip of the iceberg, people. If China doesn't deal, then I have a pretty good feel that Trump views this 10% duty as nothing more than an opening volley in the next round of the trade wars. He's itching to take all the tariffs to 25. He is doing that. At which point he thinks the Chinese will realize that their economy can't take this kind of pain. They'll need to play ball. Remember, Trump smells blood. He believes the Chinese economy is weaker than ours. He's right. And he doesn't mind pushing their economy and their stock market over the edge. What I am hearing over and over again, it's better to take tariffs high and bring them down than to not have tariffs at all. What does it mean for you? If you have stocks with some huge gains, I am giving you my blessing because the market wasn't down that badly to take a little off the table. Not a lot. This is not that call, the giant sell call. If I see that in Twitter, I will come after you with everything I have. We are barely down, though. We haven't even seen the Chinese response yet, and I have to believe it will be swift. And when they do, the stocks are going to go lower, and you'll be glad that you sold a little. There's no reason to be here. here. you got to wait and see what happens. That's why I think it's too soon to buy anything but the domestic stocks that have zero exposure to China, either as a supplier or as an end market. If the smoke clears, companies that cater to small and medium-sized businesses could be worth buying, too. Again, what to sell? Look at what you have a lot of gains in, okay? I'm not going to give you a list. Set, is it, 
not going to give you a list because like, there's a lot in the S&P 500 that's too high after this. Second, the 10-year going below 2% is your green light to buy the utilities with safe dividends. My favorites to repeat them, and it's been the same three for years and years, Con Ed, Dominion, and Best of Breed American Electric Power. It is still not too late to own those. Most importantly, though, once you take profits, again, once you take profits, and I sanction taking profits, there's no reason to start buying immediately. These tariffs are game-changing. Because they make it clear that President Trump is not going to stop. He'll press and press and press because he is furious at China. And he thinks the trade war is a winning campaign strategy. See, he wants the trade war going into the election. These tariffs will hurt you and me. We can take the pain. We need to. But you must recognize that the pain is going to extend your portfolio. Unfortunately, this makes it hard to justify buying many of the usual suspects. They would normally circle the wagons around in any economic downturn and we're worried about a recession. That includes even the magnificent Procter & Gamble, to use an example of something that he just reported a great quarter, that normally I would say, bye, bye, bye. They may do too much business in the PRC. Might be a natural target of retaliation. One thing's certainly clear. Jay Powell, our clever Fed chief, had great intuition about these tariffs. Can you imagine how bad today would have been if Powell hadn't cut us that quarter point break? Plus, he's now got a lot more ammo. Don't listen to the people who say he doesn't, please, because you see they're wrong. I think after initial stumble, Powell's doing a great job. And the critics, including the president and some other people, are saying he's not a great communicator. Why don't you give the man a break? The time to hit him was when he was wrong, not when he's right. Look, I believe the president's right to crack down on China. I've been making this argument for decades. This is nothing new. I used to say the same thing when I worked with Larry Kudlow, who was a great free trader back then. He's now the president's chief economic advisor on the show we had for years called Kudlow and Kramer. I was pro-tariff back then because I recognized how China had targeted and destroyed so many American industries. I've been passionate about it for decades. However, I've always accepted that this kind of move would hurt the stock market, at least in the short run. But I'm not just for higher stock prices. I'm not that craven. So, again, there's no hurry to start picking among the rubble here. We're now back in a world where international companies will be forced to cut their forecasts. Here's the thing. As interest rates go down, the alternatives to the stock market keep getting less and less enticing. Sure, gold's worrying because it always does well in times of economic chaos. I'll have two gold stocks I think you should buy later in the show. But high-quality dividend stocks without much Chinese exposure will be the winners once the smoke clears, just as they were after the last two rounds of tariffs. I've studied those two. That's what won first. Bottom line, we just have to wait until the dust settles, please. That then you can start buying some high-quality companies at a discount that don't have Chinese exposure. And you will definitely get a discount, I believe, because it's too hard for individual stocks to escape the downward pull of the entire S&P 500 when estimates have to come down for so many different industrials. Carmen in Connecticut. Carmen. Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you. I, re- I really am in trouble with the stock. I bought five below, and um, I... In doing my research, it said that they were opening 4,500 new brick-and-mortar sh- stores in the, uh, in the U.S., and the earnings seemed good earlier this year, and I bought it. Now, it's been going down really, really big time the last oh, month or so. I don't know if it's a question of the tariffs. It seems to me it might be something more that I've missed. So if you could help me, I don't know if I should sell Surely, it. No, or- um- well, we sold it for Action Alerts Plus. We told the club members, look, this one's going to get hurt by tariffs. Uh, if there are more tariffs, it will get hurt. These next wing of tariffs, this next round really do hurt them. Uh, they're going to have a lot of, I think, uh, merchandise that is going to have to be charged more than five bucks, which is their M.O. So my take is it's not too late to sell. You can revisit it lower. It is a great regional national. Brian in New York. Brian. 
Hey, Jim. Big Booyah from sunny Long Island. Long-time viewer, big-time fan. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? Awesome, awesome. Listen, uh, I appreciate all you do for all us little guys out there, and I got a, I got a two-part question here for you on Bank of America. Okay. Um, where, do you, where do you feel the price of this stock is going to be, let's say, in the next three months? Um, we all know about the Fed dropping the you know, the interest rate a quarter of a, right. you know, a quarter of a percent. We don't know if they're going to drop more or not. You know, this stock has been like in this 29 right. range and it's not going anywhere. It was about to go 31. And my second part is why in the world the Bank of America dropped so much today okay. after Trump's announcement of adding the 10% additional tariffs on China. Meanwhile, Bank of America okay. is here. In, All in, right, here we know, go. I'm going to tell you what's going on here. Uh, when people think that a recession is coming, they sell banks that have credit issues. Uh, that's what they do. They look at the bond market. The hedge funds look at the bond market. Then they sell the international banks, which, which Bank of America is. And you know what they do? Then they buy the financial technology stocks. I have a couple later on that I'm going to recommend. But that's time-honored. It's what they do, whether it's right or wrong. It's called the playbook, and they follow it. Dave in Kansas. Dave. Jim Kramer. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. I've been a big fan for a long time. Oh, hey, you're very kind. Is- Thank you. Thank you. I, I wanted your wanted your take on FICO, Fair Isaac Corporation. I picked it up four years ago at ninety one bucks after reading the analyst piece, and it's hardly missed a beat since then. Almost up three hundred percent. Everyone knows their FICO credit score, but it's not a mainstream stock that uh, gets much airtime on CNBC, and I've not heard you mention it. But uh, just had another blowout quarter, up over three and a half percent today, and now has a market cap north of ten billion. Yeah, Dave, you're right. Um, I have not done enough on Fair Isaac. Uh, it is a quintessential fintech company. Uh, my bad that I haven't. It's a company I like very much. That's why it's bad. If I didn't like it, well, then I'd be, it'd be unassailable that I'd be bad. But I like this company very much. <sighs> you can't get them all. You can't. All right. Okay, it's been a brutal couple of days. For now, I want you to wait until the dust settles. And if you want to, you can raise some cash with some of the high flyers. Look, we did some for Action Alerts club members. I can't tell you otherwise. Uh, on May Buddy tonight. It was a tough day for the average, but I'm eyeing one stock that could offer your portfolio some stability in an unstable market. It works in this environment, don't miss my exclusive, with the CEO of American Tower. Wow, that's a good business. Then our interest rate signaling at a recession is around the corner. I'm going to give you my take. And it's a company on a quest to improve detection and treatment for breast cancer and ovarian and many others. Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO of Hologic. So I want you to stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. You know me, as I say all the time, after these brutal days, I like to fall back on the kind of secular growth story doesn't need an, 
doesn't end with a trade war. I'm talking about the cell tower stocks, a group that's getting a fabulous boost as telco carriers worldwide start rolling out 5G. The next generation of even faster wireless, which requires a lot more infrastructure. Take American Tower, AMT, the largest player in the space. They're all organized as real estate investment trusts or REITs with nice dividends. Oh, this one only yields 1.7%, but you know what? That's not because it doesn't pay out a lot. It's because it's been such a winner. I love this industry because once you put up a tower, you can sell antenna space to multiple customers. Yesterday morning, American Tower reported a fantastic quarter, bringing in $2.04 per share in funds from operations. Wall Street's only looking for buck ninety, higher than expected revenue, up 6%. However, because the margins are so great, that translates to a 38% increase in profits. While the stock has only rallied about 4% since I last recommended it in May, I recommended it over and over again. It's nearly up 34% year to date. So can it keep climbing? Let's talk to James Takelet. He is the chairman, president, and CEO of American Tower. We've been behind him the whole way. Find out more about the corners company's prospects. Mr. Takelet, welcome back to Man Money. Great to see you, sir. Great to see you, Jim. When your stock was probably one-tenth of where it is, you came on and told us about the great story that people need to know. A lot of doubters, but you beat every single one of them. I'm going to start with what you did in the conference school. I want people to know that even though it says American Tower, it's really International Tower. Unbelievable growth overseas. Yeah, it's um, a global business. There's two things that are truly global in nature. One is the technology. The physics for radio frequency spectrum and its transmission are the same all around the world. And it's people is the other thing. It's the same all around the world. They want to do three things as much as they can. Communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Send data back and forth. You know, book airline tickets, send emails, etc. And then finally get entertained if they can. TV, social media, etc. And the mobile industry is enabling that all around the world. Well, one of the things that I, when people say, Jim, you, Africa's a growth growth continent. Uh, I want to buy this African stock or that. I always say buy American Tower because they also, uh, when they do a deal, it's backed up immediately. There's no real risk associated with it. Yeah, even in some of our countries, we get dollar-denominated contracts along the way. Uh, We also demand high internal rate of return, so we'll you know, really bargain hard on the asset pricing to get the right basis so we can get the return that we need. And some of these countries, you've taught us, but I want people who haven't heard you, a lot of these countries skipped over wireline, and they're just wireless countries, right? Absolutely. And India is well on its way to doing this. Uh, You've probably heard of Prime Minister Modi's Digital India Initiative, where he really wants to just bypass the entire wired phase of those three things, communication, data transmission, and entertainment. And there are four very competitive companies in that market now, big enough to do that, with the capital to do it, and we're working with them right now. Yeah, the internal rate of return, again, you've really researched this over a long period of time. United States, you start uh, saying something that you have said the whole time, which is that consolidation not only is not bad, but in this particular case, the uh, advancement of DISH into this where they have to build out big the i know you there's it's a, it's in flux you didn't spend too much time on talking about it but the united states with this new regime could be very good for you it could be very very good for our company right. but i think it's very very good for the country also potentially because what this agreement between the justice department sprint t-mobile and dish has done we think is to position the united states for true leadership and accelerate that leadership for 5g at the same time, they brought in a disruptive new player in DISH who's going to benefit the consumer all along the way. So I think it's really a great combination for the country. It's going to be excellent for our company as well, but it's a good uh, initiative all around, we think. I would imagine one of the first calls DISH has to make is to you because they don't have any of the space that they need. Well, we're 
have been well in touch okay. with Charlie Ergen and his team for years. Okay. Because they've owned and operated wireless spectrum. They've had to have their licenses preserved. They've deployed for that. They're in the middle of an Internet of Things deployment that right. they're actually going to segue into a full 5G deployment. So we're already in touch with that team uh, and have been for years, and we expect to work with them closely. Okay, so talk to me about 5G and, and what it means for Mercantile. So what it means for us is that uh, while 4G is still here to take up the 30% per, month, per year growth in the data that's being used today by Americans, uh, 5G is going to be able to give you more throughput, better signal, uh, much faster latency or signaling time, right. which enables automated automotive uh, vehicles, automated drones, and things at scale. So it's going to be a game changer for society, really. But it's going to be a big investment. It's going to be a wholesale transition from a 4G technology to a fifth generation technology. It's going to take, generally, these take about seven to 10 years to do. But the sites are going to need to be closer together. There's going to be more equipment out there transmitting. And so, again, it should be something that lengthens and strengthens our growth rate, not in the U.S. only, but around the world eventually. One last question. Uh, through the whole time that we've been recommending your stock, the, the yield looks low for real estate investment trust, but that's because it's been such a great stock. But you keep raising the dividend. Yeah, our board has been comfortable and our CFO has been advocating and still does 20% annual increase in dividend along the way, and that's what we've delivered or above. Because yeah, in that sense, if interest rates are going lower, American Tower is still a terrific play. Well, we like to think so, and that's what our strategy is designed to do. Jim. Excellent. That's Jim Takeley. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of American Tower. First year of this show we recommend at AMT. We've been behind it the whole way. Thank you, Jim. You're welcome. Yeah. Right now, the bond market is telling us that we're headed into a recession. That's what it means when the yield in the benchmark 10-year Treasury drops below 1.9%. It's a real warning. But is the bond market right? That's the big question. The answer is complicated. Like I told you at the top of the show, you need to accept the trade war is going to keep escalating, which will really hurt the Chinese economy and do plenty of collateral damage over here. However, that doesn't mean you need to sell everything. And when the dust settles, I think you'll be able to buy the stocks of companies that really won't be hurt by the new tariffs at great discounts. So let me give you some specifics. When Wall Street finishes adjusting to the new normal, meaning after a decent pullback, what should you buy? First, there's tech, or at least non-cell phone-related tech, the kind of tech companies that keep making the numbers even when the economy slows down. And that's why even into this sell-off, I like Alphabet. I like Facebook. I could even endorse Netflix here because they don't do business in China. The tariffs arguably make Amazon even more valuable because it's a cheaper alternative to the more vulnerable brick-and-mortar chains. The only cell phone-related winner right now is American Tower, which we just talked to. There will be plenty of time to buy the cell-related semis, okay? Let the downgrades happen first, and then I'll give you a list. I don't want to be premature. Second, companies with scale that are doing well and have no China exposure. Hey, how about Exhibit A, Yum Brands, the parent of KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. Yum, which spun off its Chinese division years ago, reported a spectacular quarter today. Again, don't be a hero. No hurry. You can afford to be patient, but be ready to buy this one into weakness. By the same token, you should add Costco to your shopping list. It's not in China, and as we've seen uh, from the last year, 
The previous tariffs had no real impact on their numbers. Oh, and don't shoot every retailer, please. RH, parent company of Restoration Harbor, it took the extraordinary step of saying the tariffs will have virtually no impact when its stock was down almost 10 bucks from its high today. It rallied a couple bucks, but it's a baby in the bathwater. People are banging down Pinterest all day, only to see the social networking site explode higher on a fantastic earnings report here for the bill. What else? Drug companies with good dividends are a decent place to go, even with nearly every Democrat running for president talking about the industry like it's public enemy number one. Merck had by far the best quarter. Uh, it's worth considering. Same with Novartis, which reported terrific numbers. It was up nicely today. Of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, utilities work. We just had Nick Akins, the CEO of American Electric Power, on the show. And while he told us there was some, some real slowing in the industrial economy, it hasn't stopped this company from being able to deliver superior results. Both ATT and Verizon, Verizon this very morning, delivered strong numbers. They have juicy dividends. I like them. How about growth stocks that work in this environment? Well, think cybersecurity. You can reach for CyberArk, which protects the administrator accounts that are basically the keys to the digital kingdom. Do you know that Fortinet just reported a great quarter after the close? Or you can buy my favorite, Cisco, which has almost no Chinese exposure. The CEO Chuck Robbins saw all of this coming and moved aggressively to divorce his company from the People's Republic. Some brave souls may want to pick up the cloud kings, betting that they have such great growth no matter what, including recession, and thus deserve even higher price earnings multiples. Strangely enough, you can also circle right back to financial technology because the large banks are always considered to be vulnerable in a slowdown. But money managers still need financial exposure, so they swap into fintech. MasterCard and Visa have zero credit risk, so they're magnets for money. Mag- oh, by the way, MasterCard's got a tie-in with the Apple card. What else? You can buy the defense contractors, knee-jerk trade. I know it works, though. Uh, L3 Harris just had a nice move up. Great quarter. But it's my favorite in the group. I still think it's cheap. Finally, I get some gold exposure if you don't have some already. I prefer Agnico Eagle Mines or Barrick Gold here. People will keep buying precious metals as insurance against economic chaos. It's the classic safe haven for your wealth, and that's terrific for the gold miners, including Agnico, which we just spoke to. We just spoke to the company. I like everything they had to say. Again, though, aside from the gold miners, no hurry. No hurry. I think the broader market could go lower. And if you're patient, you'll be able to pick up most of these names maybe not the gold stocks, at a discount. For now, you just need to keep your head down. Maybe raise a little cash from your high flyers if you don't have enough already, and then get ready to do some buying, as we will get through even this after some painful adjustment. Let's go to Evan in New York, please. Evan. Booyah. How are we, how are we doing, Jim? I am doing well. How about you, Evan? Good. Had a quick question for you about McDonald's. As the founder of a trading group, it's been a real moneymaker for us. Uh, it's been an upturn long trend. A uh, long time trend for as right. long as I can remember. Uh, now, with analysts saying it's due for a pullback, what are your thoughts? No, I don't think it is due for a pullback. It's the kind of stock I buy in this environment. Uh, Steve Easterbrook's doing a great job. You don't need a boring economy for McDonald's to do well. I think it fits my profile. I would be a buyer. Uh, I mentioned earlier, yum, I should put in McDonald's, too. Uh, let's go to Dane in Florida. Dane. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Mr. Kramer. Oh, yeah, this is Man Freddy from the great city and state of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Well, there you go. I, I have not visited to, yet. Go ahead. I first want to thank you, sir, for consistently providing us investors, especially our youth, the guidance and insight needed to diversify our portfolios. Young people are buying My stocks question- again, and they're watching the show, and I love it. What's up? Yes, sir. You got it. My question to you is in regards to the recent Pfizer spinoff. As you are well aware, over the weekend, Pfizer announced that they will spin off its off-patent branded drugs business right. and combine it with gen- with uh, generic drug maker Mylan. Right. Um, since, 
since obviously this will impact their financial reporting metrics, how would you advise us young and old investors with investing in Pfizer, sir. No, I, I don't think Pfizer has uh, earnings, uh, earnings momentum that I like. I prefer to see you in Merck or Novartis. Uh, I think that they are a better place to be right now. Uh, Pfizer, that deal was not that great, frankly, and it also revealed that it didn't have a lot of earnings power away. Let's go to John in New Jersey, please. John. Hey, Mr. Kramer. My name is John from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Well, you know I love Asbury Park. What's up? Hey, my uh, stock is Kratos Defense, ticker number KTOS. They reported yesterday they, they beat on both upper and lower number. Their forward guidance was great, but yet the stock sold off. And I don't, I'm confused. Well, you should be confused because this happened time and again to Kratos. Every time the bears have come in and they've trashed it. Now, I typically do not blame short sellers or anything. I'm just saying that Kratos, I recommended the stock at 8. It went up to 12, then went back to 9. It just, it, that's the pattern. So you wait a little bit. Kratos is in the sweet spot. I like defense here. I like defense. I do like L3 Harris more. Dolan in Rhode Island. Dolan. Hey, Jim, my name's Rick. My son is Dolan. We've been watching your show for a year, and he's got a question for you. Here he is. Hi, Mr. Kramer. My question for you is about Wells Fargo, the stock. I was wondering if I should invest in it now, wait a little, or just invest in something else. Kids got horse sense. This is who's looking at the market these days. Everyone tells us you have to be in index funds. Listen to this young boy, how smart he is. He's got a great question. The answer is, is that uh, those large regional banks, I mean, large banks right now, uh, Wells Fargo, a tough one, doesn't have a CEO. So I'm going to have to tell Dolan in Rhode Island, uh, who is nine years old, that I'd rather see him in a different bank, but the banks aren't in favor right now. But what I do want to say is I hear it all the time now. There's a sea change going on. Young people, all ages, they want to be in stocks. They're not brainwashing to just be in an S&P. They like index funds, but they also want individual stocks. Please stop fighting them. It's a good thing. All right, after the technicians go negative and the strategists shave their targets, you use the opportunity to do some buying of high-quality plays. I'm counseling, though, that there's no hurry. Much more Mad Money Head. It's a company with the technology that helps improve the detection of breast cancer up to 60%. Please don't miss my sit-down with one of my favorite companies, Hologic. Then it's David versus Goliath, as the private, can't-own stock, company SeatGeek takes on Live Nation head-on. Can it come out victorious? I'm talking to the founder, and the fan could be the winner. All your calls, rapid fire, of course, in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This latest escalation in the trade war has a lot of investors worried about the economy. Now, normally you buy the healthcare stocks when you're afraid of a slowdown, right? But as we keep seeing in the Democratic debates, the pharmaceutical industry and the insurers are selling on grata. I get where they're coming from. We pay more for healthcare than any other country on average, and some people say we get worse outcomes. But from the perspective of the stock market, these plans are going to hurt. You know what? There's one part of the healthcare that doesn't seem to have a target on its back, though. 
the medical equipment space, especially advanced diagnostic equipment. So consider something like Hologic. It's a company that makes high-end diagnostic machinery, imaging systems, and surgical products mostly focused on women's health. And a lot of this I regard as being preventative or a catch early. When we last checked in with this company in May, the company had a really terrific strong quarter, but the stock wasn't getting much credit for it. Since then, it's rallied hard on a major FDA approval. We're going to talk about that. But now we're seeing the same darn thing. Last night, they put another good quarter. Nice top and bottom line beat. Management raising their four-year guidance, yet the stock actually pulled back modestly today. And while it had run into the quarter, this could be the viable dip. Remember, there's no very little China here. We'll talk about that, too. Don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Stephen McMillan. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Hologic. You get a better read on his company and his company's prospects. Mr. McMillan, welcome back to Mad Money. Oh, good to see you, you, sir. Thank you, Jim. Thank Great you. To see good to see you. I love Thanks. the English cufflinks. Thank you so, for wearing thank them. Thank you. Just for you, man. Thank you. Uh, All right, this is an exciting time to be at your so company. There, there have been a number of approvals. You're making an acquisition. They all seem to be things that, if you ask me, make it so that the healthcare system actually saves money. You're not additive to the process. Completely right. You know, you look at, for example, our 3D mammography. It's all about detecting cancers earlier. It's the same in our cervical cancer screening, where we have our HPV testing and pap testing. You find cervical cancers earlier. So everything we do is actually trying to take money out of the system. It's improving care. And as you know, more than anything, when we find cancers really early, the cost to treat and the impact on the patient is so much better. Where's awareness? Uh, because I want you do so much for awareness, but I still think there are lots of people left out of the system. There are, and particularly still in the case of minorities. Um, you know, you still have particularly women of color not getting nearly a lot of the tests that, you know, more mainstream women are, and particularly around the world, tremendous opportunities ahead. It's why as we get bigger and stronger as a company, getting our messaging out as the leaders in women's health so that everybody can share in, you know, frankly, better and right. earlier diagnosis. Okay, these machines cost money. Uh, are hospitals uh, flush enough now? Because it looks like their capital spending budgets are actually going up. Yeah, the capital spending cycle within hospitals has been pretty good. You know, my experience through almost two decades in healthcare right now is if you have a meaningfully differentiated product, and particularly in our case, things like 3D mammography, where you can buy a machine and it's going to last many, many years. You know, it really comes down to, you know, not even $1,000 a day, you know, for a hospital or anything like that. And frankly, you know, really more hundreds of dollars a day to provide state-of-the-art, you know, mammograms or, you know, our other products yeah, as that's well. That's great. Now, before I get to the, uh, the recent acquisition and also uh, something involving um, dermatologists, Something involving double chins. I'm not going to miss words. Uh, yes. Um, okay. it, China exposure, about 5%. Anything we worry there? Or is it just kind of the system? They want your stuff is the way I look They at do. It. You know, again, the high-end hospitals, particularly in China, you know, want the, the state-of-the-art stuff. So right, 500,000 people, you know, three different hospitals, 500,000 people each. Yeah. In, in the main hospitals, China. main cities, right. you know, we have a nice business there. You know, we're not necessarily out in all of the, the communities. And there are always still some of the questions around patent infringement and, you know, some right. of those things. But in general, okay. uh, you know, we still have our business is still predominantly in the United States. Outside is still a great growth opportunity. Well, I'm glad you uh, mentioned uh, outside because today, just today, you talked about buying 46% of shares in supersonic image of yeah. French innovator in ultrasound medical imaging. Now, don't we already have good ultrasound? Is there something better out there? It's better for breasts, particularly in the indications of breasts. So if you think about, you know, what makes our company special in the grand scheme, mm-hmm. it's we try to get the best scientists and engineers right. to build the best products that are clinically differentiated. And then you get the best sales and service people to surround the customer relationship. Mm -hmm. And what's been magical for us is as you put those two together, 
you get this wonderful virtuous circle where we're selling and talking to the key opinion leaders in the field. They're using our state-of-the-art equipment. And then they're sitting there saying, hey, you know what else you can do with this? For example, our 3DG, this is really helping us detect cancers in dense breasts better. And you go there. And then they'll also sit there and say, hey, by the way, there's this technology that we saw over in France, this small company that's got an incredible, probably the best imaging in ultrasound for breasts. And so they bring us those ideas, too. So it's all about that relationship we have with the leading physicians and the best products. Our customers actually sometimes help even direct us to then finding other great products. And that's exactly what we just found in this product called Supersonic Imagine, where it's really big in Europe and Asia, and frankly, hasn't been much in the United okay, States, so over where we have a lot of strength. Uh, so it's one, a great match. Uh, one last question. Uh, baby boomers get double chins. I looked at myself today on TV. I hate oh. it. What, what can I do? Do you have anything for hey, me? Hey, you're doing well. Well, that's our Sinusure division, which okay. was the acquisition we made in the medical aesthetic space a couple of years ago. And we actually just got approved, effectually, what we call it's technically known as the submental uh, mask. So for our warm sculpting product, which Brooke Shields is one right. of our key spokespeople right. for, what we actually have is a small mask that you just can have a quick treatment and it will take the double chin away. For so, how long? You know, generally for 6, 12, 24 months, depending. That long? So, so yeah, longer than you know, Botox. So, okay. Yeah, so, you know, it's not a permanent, but, it, you know, it's indicated in temporary, but it can ma- have a meaningful difference. When you're, it's, it's a very quick treatment, very easy to do. It's, you know, okay. essentially a 15 to 30-minute treatment. Um, and, you know, effectively pain-free. All right, well, we'll do that in the green room. Next time you'll demonstrate. We can do that. All right, thank you. You've got so many irons. This is the kind of stock you buy right here, right now. That's Steve McMillan, Chairman and Presidency of Hologic. If it's like the last quarter, tomorrow's the day you buy. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time. And then the lightning round's over. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, I'm the lightning round. I'm going to start with Christina in California. Christina. Hello, Mr. Kramer. How are you? I am good. How about you, Christina? Uh, I need your advice on my stock, Chipotle. It has run up a lot. Should I still hold or take a profit? I want you to hold Chipotle. This kind of a stock that you don't have to worry about with China. The stock is up a lot, so they'll be profit taking, and you buy, buy it buy, because buy. they've got their vet destiny under control. Kevin imparted. Kevin! Jim, you're awesome, buddy. Oh, thank um, you, buddy. Question for you on, you touched on marijuana yesterday. Right. Too early, too early, too early. Apple, by the way, reported a good quarter, but uh, we got to wait. You have to watch. You have to watch Chronos and Canopy to figure out whether there's going to be a bottom. But we're close. Let's go to Shervin in California. Shervin. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. How you doing? Thanks for everything you do and your staff as well. Um, I want to know about the uh, the model, the company, and the stock, and when the bleeding will stop. Uh, on NTNX, has the story changed? Well, I mean, it, you know, look, remember, they're competing against VMware, which is one of my absolute favorite companies. Stock's down 50%. It's got to have some floor somewhere. I've not been able to find it. NTAP, people say it's not really analogous. Reported a bad number tonight. I'm struggling, struggling, struggling about where the bottom is, Nutan. Let's go to Jerry in Michigan. Jerry! Hi, Mr. Kramer. Hey, Jerry. I watch your show all the time. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. I admire your endurance. My stock is Anaplan. I'd like your opinion. 
Yeah, okay, so Anaplan, when I, I often talk about these high-flying stocks that have a great go-to-market strategy and land and expand and basically are doing business application cloud software. And what I'm talking about is Frank Calaroni's company, Anaplan. I like Anaplan a lot. By the way, let's understand each other. These stocks are going to have profit taking because they're up a lot. And Anaplan is up 112%, so don't expect it to run here. All right, let's go to Chad in Massachusetts. Chad. Ba-ba-ba-booyah, Jim. Yeah. Hey, I tried my best. Hey, so the stock I got for you is Sonic Automotive. The symbol is SAH. It's good, but I'll what? see you with that, and I'll raise you with Lithia. I think Lithia is even better. Medford, Oregon, good, solid company. Let's go to Betsy in California. Betsy. Hey, Jim. I cashed out 90% of Boot Barn this morning when it was up another 25%, over 100% for the year. But I kept 10% because it's domestic. And um, and they're still expanding. Is that all right? Oh, that was genius. So I saw the stock up big. It's one of my favorite companies. Had a fantastic quarter. Great company. That was really amazing. That was really amazing. That you sold it at the high. That was great. Stock came all the way back. U-turn. The regional national story is still good. I do like it. Congratulations. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Last Friday, I made my annual pilgrimage to the Philadelphia Eagles summer training camp because I can. And today, football season is officially back. In a couple of months, it's playoff season for Major League Baseball. Then we get basketball and hockey season. In short, we're entering the best time of year for to be a sports fan. Now, as anyone who likes to watch games in person can tell you, the way we buy tickets has changed a lot in recent years. Whole systems being disrupted by new companies that are helping you avoid extortionate fees and generally making the whole process more transparent. Now, you know I've been recommending Live Nation, parent of Ticketmaster, forever. But there's no denying these service fees. Well, let's say they're... They're stiff. And that's why tonight we're going off the tape with SeatGeek. That's a privately held company that aggregates listings from dozens of the largest ticket sites to help you find the best value right from your phone. They're basically doing for live entertainment what Kayak.com did for airline tickets over a decade ago. I think it's a great idea, and SeatGeek's execution has been fantastic. So even though the company's not yet public, we wanted to take a closer look with Russ D'Souza. He's the co-founder of SeatGeek. Learn more about his company and how it is shaking up the entire ticket industry. Mr. D'Souza, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Have a seat. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Russ. Okay, so the first thing people are going to ask is, hey, you know what? I use StubHub. Why should I use SeatGeek other than when I looked at it and said, this is so much more intuitive than StubHub? Uh, well, you said it. Well, we, we started SeatGeek 10 years ago because we wanted to advocate for the fans. We wanted to build a great product that made it easy for fans to discover and buy tickets. We focus a lot on UI, and you talked about how intuitive it is to use. Yes. And we also focus on transparency. So we have a product called DealScore that rates every single ticket from a scale of 0 to 10, telling you where the best deals are within the stadium. Now, uh, the authentication for NFL tickets is very important to me because I go to, to, to other places when the, Phillies, when the Eagles are on the road, and I'm always afraid that it's phony. You shouldn't I mean, be anymore. Are, but there are phony tickets out there that people should be worried about, right? Yeah, the NFL did something really smart and progressive and where we think all leagues and teams are going to go. They said, why don't we make ticketing verified as many places as possible and cut deals with sites like SeatGeek so that anytime you buy any NFL ticket 
For this year, you know that you're going to get a verified ticket delivered instantly to your phone, and you'll scan right in and have a great experience. Now, if I want a great experience, I also would love to be able to pull up in front of the stadium like I'm a big shot. You did something really smart with Lyft. Yeah, we did. Tell me about that. One of the things we really focus on is taking the data that we have and making it open because we believe if we do so, we can create great experiences. So we know where you're sitting, and we can expose that data to Lyft so that they can drop you off at exactly the right gate. And people are taking up on it, right? Oh, they love it, yeah. Because uh, I know that that's something when I go away game, I have no idea where I am. And exactly. that's, exactly. Talk, talk to me about Seek Geek Enterprise. Sure, absolutely. You know, as we got into this industry, we realized that there's a bit of a fundamental misalignment that exists between the ticketing companies historically and their clients. Okay. And one of those ways is through, they don't, they have forced t- these fans to go through only one channel, which is their own. Right. We believe in open distribution, right? If you're Nike, you should put your, your shoes as many places as possible, whether it's Amazon or Walmart. You see that in almost any, any business that you follow. Sure. But it doesn't exist in ticketing until we came along and we said, why don't we open things up? We signed deals with ticketing companies, but also we expanded the inventory and where it can be merchandised to places like Booking.com, Expedia, Snapchat. Put tickets where fans are and drive more commerce. Let's talk about Snapchat. You have a deal with them. It sounded pretty interesting. Younger people really are uh, addicted to Snapchat. 17 to 34, they're crazed about it. What does it mean? And this goes back to the same thing I was talking about before around open distribution. It's about putting those tickets where the fans are. How do you reach that younger demographic if you're the NFL or Major League Baseball? Traditionally, places where there's an older audience, you partner with broader companies like Snapchat that have that young audience. It seems like DealScore reminds me of uh, when Yelp first started out. Uh, There is a subjectivity to seats. How can we be sure? I mean, deal. Obviously, if I'm on the 50, it's great. How about these others? How do we know? Yeah, we, we. This is the most beloved feature that we have at SeatGeek. It's one that we hear time and time again that that fans love, and they love it because we're willing to tell them here are the best deals in the stadium, but also here's the places that you probably shouldn't shop. So no matter what your budget is, we know we have a deal for you. Well, that's terrific. I know I need, I <laughs> also, again, yeah, that's something abstracted view. Last thing, uh, Live Nation is a fabulous company. We've had them on. Rapino's a genius. Mm-hmm. What's it like to compete with them? It's a lot of fun. You know, we, we look at the, you know, the way their business has grown and we see that the live entertainment business is growing as a whole. Live entertainment is this irreplaceable, fun thing to go do that the whole industry has just exploded over time. And we see ourselves really having a chance to become, over the next 10 years, the company within the live entertainment space. Well, we have loved Live Nation since it was at 20. And for eBay, we've been saying, please spin off StubHub. I've been using $11 billion. David Faber thinks I'm a ridiculous valuation. I want a piece of SeatGeek, but it is private right now. That's Russ D'Souza. SeatGeek's co-founder. Look, any of us, go look at their site. You'll understand exactly why it's so easy to use. I really like it. Stick with Kramer. Thanks so much. Unlike everybody else, I come to praise Jay Powell, not to bury him. No, is he a great communicator? Here's what he is. He's a guy who's got his ear to the ground. He cut it a quarter point and he left you more room. He will be there at your back as we deal with the trade tensions. That makes it so you don't have to skedaddle, but there's nothing wrong with taking a little profit so you have the money ready when it goes down. I like to say there's always a more market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you. Right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Carrey, and I will see you tomorrow. 
CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.